afternoon. We're uh, always encountering new situations. So uh, here we are still live streaming from SVC. And then now the weather is getting hotter. But there's not too many people here. Is it worth it now to turn on the AC and cool this entire room for the sake of the few? always encountering new situations. Okay. Um, so today, like last week, uh, obviously uh, I wasn't up here preaching and, uh, you know, obviously uh, pastors all over America were sharing about the events that took place and what was going on our country and uh, this is the first time I'm taking the pulpit since then so just want to take this opportunity today to talk about this topic the sermon will be called the sin of racism and uh, um, even as we talk about this of the issue and um, obviously it won't be comprehensive by any means, considering, considering the complexity of the issues and situation that the country is dealing with. But I'm hoping that through even just um, different portions of the scripture that we'll see and um, whatever we can talk about today, it'll help us to give at least some, a little, a little bit more of a degree of clarity in our thinking that will help us to process the, the things that we're going through in our country today. Let me pray together for us, and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives uh, that comes through Jesus Christ, the love of God that changes the, the natural order of man and how you institute a completely new order and enable us to um, live as a, a new people of God. Uh, be here with us as we look at your word, speak to us, and soften our hearts and help us to really um, clearly think through world events through the word of God. With, uh, with love in our hearts, humility in our hearts, uh, wanting to serve others and wanting to be a blessing to others. Be here with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, found this uh, meme, I guess, or something on social media. It says, there's a picture and it says, scientists, I guess this is true, a few years ago, it says, scientists, found 33 creatures, like new creatures, living in a cave that was not, that was sealed up for five million years. And I guess there are videos and you can actually look it up. All these different species and different things that, that they found in this, uh, this underwater cave somewhere that's been sealed up, they say, for five million years. And then, uh, 
in one of the comments, someone said, seal that cave back up and walk away. This is not the year, man. Uh, 2020, a lot of uh, unusual, crazy, crazy things have been happening. Um, and, uh, uh, it, you know, it, definitely things that this generation uh, has not seen, many generations have not seen. And uh, um, just as when we we're going through the pandemic and just as things were beginning to possibly open up, now, this situation, uh, such civil unrest. And uh, how do we deal with that? How do we process it? There's so many voices, different people giving their perspective. So just want to think th that through a little bit. And um, I'm just going to have three points. First, made in the image of God made in the image of God. Just the fact that human beings are made in the image of God. Again, we don't have the verses here, but I'll just read it. And I'll read it slowly so you can follow along. If you're taking notes, you can just jot down the references and refer to it later. Genesis 127 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Okay, so man, meaning human beings, Man is made in the image of God. So that means that man is like God in many ways. Unlike any other creatures that was created by God, man is unique, uniquely made to reflect certain attributes of God. That's what it means that broadly, that's what it means that man is made in the image of God. Okay, so there's a certain value, certain unique value that human beings have being made in the image of God. Later on in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Okay, so I think talking to Noah here, uh, don't shed the blood of man. Right? Man is valuable. Why? For God made man in his own image. God says man's life is valuable. It's valuable because man is made in the image of God. Okay, so, so the worth of man, the worth of human beings is connected to the creator of human beings. Um, God placed his image in man, and so there's value. There's an intrinsic value in human beings because we're made in the image of God. And of course, a world that doesn't know God doesn't think like that, tries to find man's value through other, other ways, right? How he looks, how much money he makes, what he can do or not, not do, and things like that. But man is valuable, the Bible says, because God says, I put my likeness in man. And because man is made in the image of God, to devalue man's life is to devalue God. There's a correlation there. You see man a certain way when you see God a certain way. And then if you devalue man, you're actually devaluing God. That's, that's actually what James means when James says in chapter 3, verse 9, James 3, verse 9, with it, 
our tongue, our mouths. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Okay, so, so James is saying, with our tongue, we praise God, which is, which is right, which is the right thing to do because God is great, God is awesome. And with that same tongue, it says we curse men. And James says that's wrong and inconsistent because that man that you're cursing is made in the image of God. If we value God, like right, we praise God, we worship God like we should, if we value God, then we should also value the people made in the image of God. And if we devalue that person by cursing them, then what we're really doing is we're saying something about God. We're devaluing God. We also see the value of man when we, when we get into blood, you know, the blood in the Bible, blood theology. Right? Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, Leviticus 17, 11, God says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So God says, I don't eat flesh with blood in it. He prohibits that because a creature's life is in the blood. Because life is in the blood, it was the blood that atoned for sin. Life for life, shed blood sin to atone for that life. And uh, along that line of thought, I guess it's worth mentioning what's clearly obvious, that blood is blood. Man's blood is man's blood. Whether a person is black or white, yellow, green, whatever, there's no people group who has more blood or, or no people group whose blood is made of a different material or something like that. When Jesus came to shed his blood for sinners, he didn't have to shed more blood or less blood for certain people groups because man's life is in this blood made in the image of God. And every man is equal. So human beings have worth and dignity because he's made in the image of God. There's no other factor involved in this discussion that makes him more worthy or less worthy, more dignified, less dignified. He's made in the image of God, and that's why, because the creator God says he is of worth, that's why human beings have value. And, to, um, and because of that, we have to affirm the dignity of human beings, because every single person is made in the image of God in how we view them, how we treat them, how we talk about them, how we talk to them. We affirm their dignity because we value the image of God in every person. And uh, um, going along that th thought, Romans 8.29, Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So, of course, the image of God that, was, that is in man has been marred by sin. If it wasn't for sin, we would be a lot more like God, made in the image of God. But sin entered the world, and so that image of God has been distorted. 
Now God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is restoring that image in man. And what does that restored image look like? He makes us look like his son, Jesus Christ, to conform to the image of his son. So that's what God's doing through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so first, made in the image of God. Human beings are valuable because we're made in the image of God. Secondly, the dynamics of partiality. The dynamics of partiality. Okay, so every human being is made, is valuable, made in the image of God. But in this world, we don't treat every human being equally. That happens for a number of different reasons. Um, for example, like our backgrounds, our backgrounds might influence how we see people. Uh, backgrounds meaning things like what society we come from, the cultural views of that society, what we've been told by our parents, how we've been educated or how we've not been educated in the home or in the school or in, the, in church, all of those things, those backgrounds kind of play into this dynamic of how we see people, how we see different people and just the value that we have, value system that we have when we look at um, people. So for example, uh, certain people hold, this, hold a stereotype in their minds uh, of, this is just an example, of people who have tattoos. Right? Um, certain people see people with tattoos a certain way. And those perceptions of people with tattoos will differ depending on where they grew up, when they grew up, who spoke into their lives, and so on. Like how you were educated, how you were not educated, in the home, in school, in church, whatever. Now, are people without tattoos more valuable? Are People with tattoos, less valuable in God's eyes. No, obviously not. Of course not. But nonetheless, people hold different stereotypes. And that's just a reality of culture. Every culture has those kinds of perceptions. Same could be said about people who ride motorcycles. Some people see motorcyclists as being cool. Other people see the same motorcyclists as being reckless. It really depends on the multitude of different things in our, in our life background. The same could be said of how we see Asian female drivers. To be honest with you, <laughs> when I see a car in front of me making a dangerous move, I look, I, I look, I look to see who's driving because I have my own stereotypes about drivers. And I'm not going to say what it is because it's a very dangerous thing to say. But I have my own. Young people drive a certain way. Old people drive a certain way. Asian females <laughs> drive a certain way. Um, many people in the West have stereotypes about Arabs. 
Okay, so now our knowledge of Arabs come from largely what we read, what we see, which is mostly from the Western perspective. And that's how we've been educated for most of our lives. That's why missionaries who, who live with Arabs and eat with Arabs come to us in the West and try to re-educate us. That's not, that's not what Arabs are like. Right? They tell us the Arabs are very loving. They're so hospitable. They'll go the extra mile in ways that we wouldn't even think of doing in the West. And we have that same problem in our society about blacks. Um, I was thinking if an alien, if an alien came from Mars, not knowing anything about our world, and lived in North America for a few years, he would probably be led to believe that blacks are less capable, less intelligent, less trustworthy, less valuable, more violent than the rest of society. And that is the value system that society projects. So there's clearly a problem in our society. Um, now, we might think, oh, it's a solvable problem. Make changes in government, make changes in education. Do this and that, and, and, and we can make, you know, we can solve those problems. But it's not that easy because there's a deeper layer to this problem. James chapter 2, verse 1. James chapter 2, verse 1 says, My brothers, and this is James talking to Christians, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Um, so the deeper layer, the deeper problem, the deeper layer is the sinful heart that does not treat others with equity. James says, don't show favoritism. Don't treat a poor man as being less just because of how he's dressed, just because of how he looks. But that's exactly what we do. A man in a suit and tie sitting behind a desk at a bank will be seen a certain way, will be treated differently than a man in dirty clothes laying on the street. And that's not only because of how we've been educated in our culture. The two men are both equally valuable in God's eyes but we treat them differently because our hearts are sinful, because we have favoritism in our hearts. There's a desire in our hearts that's dynamic, that interacts with different types of people in various ways. And this is something that every human being can identify with because every human being is sinful. We don't even treat everyone within the church the same. It's not just our church, any church. Even Christians don't even treat everyone in the church the same. There are people even in our own small groups that we have gotten to know 
that we like more and some that we like less because our hearts are sinful, because we are not righteous. Because we are not righteous, we show partiality. So when we think about what happened here in Minneapolis on, on May 25th, I think both of those factors were probably involved. Many of the police officers who patrol our streets probably have in their minds negative stereotypes about blacks. And I think it's safe to also say that that ex-police officer who put his knee on George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes had an unrighteous attitude in his heart. And that's the, and that's the, the, the ungodly, uh, frightening environment that a black person has to deal with on a daily basis, even today in our society. When society sees a black person and automatically, right, automatically becomes suspicious of them just because the person is black, in that dynamic there, in, in that interaction there, that automatic suspicion, what, what, what's happening is we're stealing some dignity away from that person. And God calls that evil. And I shared this at prayer meeting this week, but, you know, uh, we have teenage boys now. We're going to start driving soon. And I can't imagine worrying every single day. Like every time my son is out and he's not home, can't imagine worrying that he might get pulled over for no reason and meet the wrong person on the wrong day and he might not come home. That's wrong. But some people in our country have to live like that. Um, thirdly, God's kingdom rule. God's kingdom rule. Um, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Says, the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. This verse tells us that God is righteous, just, he's faithful. Right? God, that, that's his character. His, his character is righteous. And that is why, because of that's, that's, what, that's who he is, that is why what he does is, is just. All his ways are, are justice without iniquity. Because that's his character, who he is. He is upright, righteous, perfect. And so what he does is just. And God's word reveals his righteous character. And so, for example, God gave laws to his people in the Old Testament about how to treat foreigners. Because that is the, the law that comes from the righteous God to treat foreigners without partiality. And that's why through James, God says, don't show favoritism because God doesn't show favoritism. 
And so what this means is, this is what would happen in a world where God is the earthly king. There would be justice for all because the ruler of that kingdom is perfectly righteous. That would be God's kingdom rule. But now the reality is we live in a world that is governed by unrighteous people. God is not the earthly ruler of the earth. It's governed by sinful human beings. So that's why there's racism and all kinds of injustices in the world today. So this brings us to this question, like, how do we, how do we deal with that, right? Um, um, how am I supposed to view this? What am I supposed to do in light of these incredible injustices, yet at the same time, um, understanding that this is who God is? Um, again, like I said in the beginning, there's no way that we can comprehensively talk about this topic and address every single issue but I'm just going to give here three maybe practical things that um, the individual Christian can think about and try to do in their own hearts, in their own lives as we wrestle with these um, principles, dynamics that, that are at play in society today. First, so what can I do? First, hope in God. Hope in God. I think protests that are happening today are good. Um, I am like 95% in support of all these protests. And uh, if, if it was not for the pandemic, I'd be 100% behind it. Like I see those pictures and videos, I'm like, I get worried. Oh man, like how's that gonna affect the world? But the protests are good because protests are increasing awareness. And with increase in awareness, people can take note. People of the society can take notice. We can see a different perspective. We can hear a different voice. Politicians can take note. And when politicians take note, laws can change. And when laws change, societies behavior can change. Okay, so protests are good, and we want to support that. At the same time, I want to caution us that there's a limit to what government and legislators can do. James chapter 4, verse 1, James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Okay, so, so what causes these, these conflicts, and, conflicts and fights? Um, you know, we can say it's, it's because of this and that, and we can point to government and these policies and all these, these things, but ultimately deeper than that, uh, James says, it's, it's ultimately the passions, the desires the evil desires that are in conflict within you. And no government can change the deeper problem, the problem of sinful human hearts. 
And that's why injustices will always exist in this sinful world. Will always exist as long as sinners who are unrighteous rule the earth. Even under the best government. If it's not Jesus Christ on the throne of that earthly kingdom, there will be injustices. So we see that even today, right? Racism will come from both left and right parties. There can be racism-motivated shootings in both red states and blue states. Uh, All sinful human beings will love and enjoy power. We read a verse at morning prayer this past week about not placing our hope in horses and chariots. And it's that same idea. God is saying, be careful where we place our hope for change. There's so far, so much that governments can do. But at the same time, right, like even though when we look at society, many times we might feel hopeless. We know at the same time that God is in control. And uh, when we see this, this incredible worldwide protest happening today, um, part of us says, really, like, what can human, like, human agents really do to bring justice? But at the same time, when we see that kind of worldwide movement going on, God is clearly doing something today. So even as we live under incredible injustices in this world, we can always hope in God. Hope in God. Okay, secondly, what can we do? Now, related to that hope in God, if I'm really hoping in God and that's ultimately how this world will change. Secondly, repent. Repent. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive, forgive their sins and heal their land. So here, um, at the time of Solomon, he's anticipating, right, um, troubles that will come to the people of God, right? If, When the land is in trouble, famine, natural disasters, invasion by enemy nations. When the land is in trouble, God says, if my people, right, my people who are called by my name, who bear my name, take that disposition of humbling themselves, not pointing to the wicked ways of the the enemy nations that are invading them, but turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and, and, and heal their land. If my people do this, so, so the problem is in the world, the problem is in the land, but the solution is among the people of God, it's, it's in the church. We said that if God is the one who is ruling the world, like earthly king, if he's the earthly, if God is the one 
was ruling, making policies and governing the world, then we said that there would be perfect justice in the world. In, in that kingdom, there would be perfect justice. Well, that kingdom in the Bible is called the kingdom of God. God is building his kingdom through his people, the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, how the, the people of God should be so radically different, countercultural, so that God can build his kingdom and change the world through, through his people, through the people of God that repent of their sins, that become like God, and that demonstrate that likeness to this world. So as a means of as we hope in God for change, we need to repent because the church is the only place that can be different that truly ultimately can be different. Church is the only place where the hearts of people truly can change by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we need to repent of our hearts do not, that do not love others as we love ourselves. We need to repent because because this is the time, right? This is the time, this generation right now, today's the time when the church is supposed to show the world that we're different, but we can't because we're not. The world is searching for answers right now, and uh, they're not looking at the church. The world is not looking at the church for answers because there doesn't seem to be much difference there. So... The world is looking for their government for change. How, how incredibly awesome would it be if the world sees, right, clearly sees this systemic racism ingrained in society today, but then they at the same time see something totally different among the people of God. So we need to repent and turn from our wicked ways and then God promises to forgive our sins and heal, ultimately heal our land. Hope in God, repent. Thirdly, lastly, thirdly, love. Love. Um, I was in West Africa once and um, was sitting with a missionary and some other people at an outdoor restaurant West Africa, I forget exactly what country we're in. And, uh, and a couple tables away, I saw what appeared to be a family sitting there eating together. It was a man and his two children and two women. And uh, it was my first encounter with polygamy. And I just stared at them. I just like legit stared at them for a really long time. Because that scene was so unusual to me. You see, uh, being uh, surprised, taken aback uh, by something that is different is expected, is normal. But in those moments, when we're confronted with people who are different, how do we respond? Um, and here I would suggest that, that as we hope in God and as we repent 
of our sins that that we love by moving toward moving to, toward rather than moving away toward that person who is different rather than moving away right um of course racism is bad that's clear god calls it evil so not being a racist is good but not being racist is not good enough because we need to move forward toward the people who are different than us let's say for example uh, one of your coworkers uh, is an arab right he's different he has an accent or dresses differently maybe eats different food believes different things so your attitude is maybe like after exchanging superficial hello whatever maybe your attitude is really like you stay over there and I'll stay over here now that's not being a racist but that's also not being loving might not be a racist but actually like when i do that i won't erase the wrong perceptions that i have in my minds about arabs right and then when i do that it won't give me opportunities to ingrain new perceptions build correct views about arabs so those things won't happen until i make efforts to reach out and get to know them understand who they are and and walk life in their shoes and i think that's the point in the discussion of our culture today not being a racist is not good enough not actively going and trying to understand life from that other person's shoes not actively trying to move forward is also part of the problem and um you know even as i say these things like hope in god repent love one of the things that i this like been doing a lot of you know um absorbing right been doing a lot of absorbing information for me in recent weeks and that's one thing that i've been realizing for myself as i've been not only observing i've been absorbing but i've been like talking with different friends, different pastor friends and their perspective and things like that sharing my view and things like that. I'm realizing that for better or for worse something about myself how difficult it is for me to move from my own convictions. And I'm realizing that I need to repent and move forward toward people who are different. Continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to repent, continue to change. And then that changed heart in the church of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God will manifest in a multitude of different ways where we can become part of the solution. Let's pray together. Father, we just pray for the things that are going on, the things that we see around us. And uh, we're grateful that you're sovereign over all things. And we pray that you would uh, allow even our society to go through difficulties so that we can bring about better life situation. Same time we pray that you work in the church of Jesus Christ, work in our church, work in our individual hearts. Help us to be part of the solution, not the problem. Help us to repent, help us to love. Help us to trust in you and become changed people that radically love others as we love ourselves.
the way that you loved us. Help us to love others. We depend on you, we trust in you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. I think uh, even within the church, we really need to pray for a spirit of understanding. Um, so much of the fighting in the world is because uh, of an attitude of like, I'm right and you're wrong. And it just uh, seems like that kind of spirit is even within the church, right? Even within the church, I'm right. Um, my, my, my theology is right. My understanding of uh, the system and culture is right. And uh, um, we need to continually move toward a spirit of understanding and learning and listening. And so uh, um, uh, continue to pray and repent and ask for that in our church so that we can grow together and we can move forward and uh, really be part of uh, the solution. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for your great love for us that while we're sinners, undeserving of grace, you loved us, you pardoned us of our sin such a, yet so merciful and forgiving. We pray that you would daily transform our hearts and help us to become like you, that we can see this world that is filled with sin and yearn for justice at the same time, plead and intercede with the heart of mercy. We pray that you would allow the church of Jesus Christ to be different, allow us to be the, the kingdom of God, that would be the salt and light of this world. I pray that you would bless even our small group discussions this week. May that help us to progress forward in becoming more like Christ. And, uh, and as we do that, have those kinds of talks, pray that you would change our hearts, help us to be loving, help us to be compassionate. The way that we love ourselves, help us to love others. so that ultimately through all these things, the name of Jesus Christ could be recognized and exalted and be seen as the rightful king over the world. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his covenant love, the love of the Father God, and the fellowship and the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.